Suicide, the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. I'm your host, Chris Parker Howard. And today on the show, we have got Rosanna Gill. This is a fantastic conversation, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time up top before we get into it. Uh, Let me just say this. The Patreon is still active, alive and well, and if you want to get yourself a mug, just like this one, uh, only exclusive for Patreon members. Go ahead and go to Patreon and search for Coffee Over Suicide. You'll find me there. Um, You can also get all kinds of other things just for subscribing for three months. Um, It doesn't cost a whole lot of money, and it helps me keep the lights on here. So I'd appreciate it. Uh, What else? What else is going on? The meeting on Thursdays is still happening. So every Thursday, if you want to get involved and come to what is considered to be a group therapy meeting without a therapist, uh, go ahead and come to the Coffee Over Suicide Zoom meeting, uh, which happens each and every Thursday, twice a day. Uh, So go to meetup.com slash coffee over suicide and you will find it. So All of that out of the way. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. Happy to have you. Uh, This conversation with Rosanna Gill is fantastic. It is uh, one of my favorites that I've done, and I think that you're really, really going to love it as well. So I'm going to stop talking right now, and we're just going to get into this conversation. So let's talk to the amazing Rosanna Gill. going finally we're finally going uh welcome what's going on rosanna hi how are you oh i am (laughs) i'm i'm good enough let's call it good enough (laughs) i like that i like that. yeah so what's happening today where first of all where am i talking to you from oh so i live outside of boston in watertown massachusetts nice what's that like cold (laughs) <laughs> I remember, I do remember the East Coast. Uh, I used to play in a band, and we would tour around a lot. And I don't remember the place we played in Boston. It was, it was not far. It was a divey little punk rock bar, kind of not far from the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, near Fenway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I cannot remember, cannot remember the name of the place, but it was definitely wild we we have a lot of memories of the guy that ran the joint that we called cokehead dave (laughs) 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 so (laughs) lots of 
Lots of stories. Oh, I mean, how could there not be if a guy that you nicknamed <laughs> Dave runs the place? Like, this yeah. can't be like a calm, peaceful place. There has to be just mass chaos, no? Yeah, it just sort of felt like, I mean, you know, mass, no pun intended, but uh, the... <laughs> The thing that was the thing that was really fun about it was that he perpetually had a vein sticking out of his neck and was just it was like his speaking voice was as if you were in another room, no matter what, oh. like it, everything. And it was like he couldn't and he, he couldn't talk straight. I mean, everything, everything he said was like, oh, this fucking guy, he's bringing me the beer later. And I don't know what I got. to uh, I know. I don't know what I got to do to get those contracts set up straight. But this guy's just he's he's fucking me all over the place with this beer. I don't understand. Like, hi, guys, set up your set up your gear in the back. Set up your gear in the back. Hey, there's a sound guy ought to be here in about a half hour. <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh, my God, this guy's a character. So, yeah. Right out of the gate with that. I, that's oh, th that's this is good. going this is going so well. I feel like that sets the tone <laughs> for the conversation somehow, and I can't wait to yeah. see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, um, let's get to know you a little bit. Like, so what? Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about what your growing up style was. Um, so it was completely normal to me as we all experience, right? And I only mm -hmm. later found yeah. out that that maybe wasn't completely normal. <laughs> um, and that's not true. I think I, I obviously knew to some extent. But um, so I grew up an only child. And mm -hmm. one of my parents uh, was dealing with uh, mental illness. And I never knew what that meant as a kid. I mean, I knew that we said that's what it was. Mm -hmm. um, but didn't know the diagnosis, had no clue, just, and didn't know that there were multiple diagnoses either at that point. Like, it just wasn't something that was talked about. This was um, the 90s, and it was nothing that my parents ever, we never talked about it, like, with our extended family that I remember. Um, the only person I ever talked about it with was my dad. My best friends, the people I was closest with, never, ever, ever knew, because I just hid it. Even though I didn't know... So I did know it wasn't normal because I never talked yeah. about it and I never wanted to talk about it. My biggest thing when I was a kid was um, I was very expressive, as you will see, and I'm very like ex easily excitable. So whenever, but the one thing you could say to really get me to like whoop, like to close up, was to call me crazy because that yeah. was my biggest fear. That was my biggest thing was, oh my god, am I going to end up like my parent? Um, and there was just you know, especially being an only child, I, I felt a lot of pressure. Um, not because anybody intended to make me feel pressure, but just that I had to kind of make up for it. Um, and always wondering, you, you in that situation, you sort of think that there's something, or I felt there was something I could or could not do that would set them off or make it worse. So you're yeah. just always living on eggshells, never knowing like if something I do is what's causing the episodes. Um, I do remember uh, my, and not, I feel bad saying this because I don't want him to ever feel bad about it but i do remember my dad saying he didn't remember my mom ever having episodes before i was born so i thought okay i'm the one who did this i broke her <laughs> right right yeah isn't, isn't that the typical way that that kids think about things like that yeah because we're we're all egomaniacs everything revolves around <laughs> us yeah and <laughs> on the one hand it's kind of cute and on the other hand like you end up having our i ended up having this belief throughout childhood into adulthood like this is my fault 
And I took well, that you're leap. an only child. You can't even blame it on brothers and sisters. Like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I couldn't blame it on a like a, a jerk older brother. Like you're the one that did this. She was great before. It was all me. Right. <laughs> all me. <laughs> yeah. So what was so when you finally did start having these conversations about mental health issues? Like what did that look like? And I mean, was there an inciting incident that caused a conversation, or was <laughs> well, it just more? You know, free, like it just kind of happened. Well, unfortunately, the first time I ever spoke about it um, ended up being the beginning of a trauma bond with someone. Um, mm. I went on a date with someone, and on our first date, he started talking about how his mother was a paranoid schizophrenic, and he started talking about all the things she did. And I was like, oh, wow, my mom did that too. <laughs> and it was. It ended up being a not good relationship. You know, he had a lot of demons he was fighting at the time. Um, mm. And I stayed way longer than I should have. And a large part of it was because of that bond on that first night of, oh, my God, I never knew that other people went through this and other yeah. people experienced this. And it's maybe kind of the first time I was like, maybe I it's not my fault. Like, maybe I didn't cause this. Still not really fully there, but it was the beginning of it. And then I ended up talking about it with a friend of mine whose father, uh, her stepfather was bipolar. And so I, it, it, it ended up being a blessing in the sense that it allowed me to realize I could talk about it. Like that was an option. Mm -hmm. Like I could actually openly talk about it, but it still was a long process. Um, yeah. and eventually when I moved up to Massachusetts, I had, I had an awareness that I needed therapy for a while. Like I was like, something's not like, right. I have so much anger and so much resentment towards my mom. And even though I felt it, I still was like, I don't, I don't want to feel this way. Like on some level, this is just, this doesn't feel healthy. And I knew at some point I wanted to be a mother and I'm like, God, I don't, how am I going to not have this relationship with my child? If this is the only relationship I know, um, and, but I just, I didn't have the money for therapy. I didn't have there, you know, it wasn't accessible. Um, so then I moved to New England and I think I finally, I can't remember what came first. I think it was seeing my therapist and he recommended, um, or told me about NAMI and, mm. um, National Alliance for Mental Illness and that yeah. they had support groups specifically for family members of somebody with a mental illness. And I went to one. And it was funny because I, I had gone to like a, I had done a presentation for a client. I worked essentially in outside sales. So I come in and I have like my nice like business suit outfit going on. And they're kind of looking at me like, what is this like young professional doing in here? And so you go around and you say like where you are on the emotion scale. And I said, you know, I, my parent is, and I was like, I feel, I think I feel fine, but I recently snapped on someone and I feel like that's not, I don't want to do that. I don't know what, whatever. And this woman looks at me and she says, wow, that must have been so hard for you to be the child and to feel like you had to be the parent. And because nobody had ever, ever acknowledged my experience. Yeah. It was because what, there was we all had to be focused on their experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Not again, nobody trying to, to deny mine, but it just there was so much emphasis on that that I had never felt like I could acknowledge my own experience. And having somebody else do that for me. And it ended up being, of course, like I was the only person in the room that like they had a parent. Everybody else, they had a child or they had a partner. I was the only one who, who had a parent. And just having, it ended up being like this kind of like they surrounded me. It was a whole bunch of older women kind of surrounding me in this motherly love. And it was this like this release, this catharsis of, oh, wow, 
somebody. I don't have to just get this from my mother. Like I can get this acknowledgement from other places and still feel like whole. Yeah. Well, what were those first conversations with your mother about this then like? Ooh, that was hard. Um, <laughs> and that is something that we still work through. Um, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I don't know. We didn't really start talking about it uh, until I released an episode of my podcast about it. Mm. And said, and I, I knew she, she didn't know how to listen to podcasts. So I was like, you know, just so you know, I'm going to. I'm talking about this and I had already released it and I was like, and I think you should know. And, you know, she was really, I think had the a completely normal range of emotions of fear, scared, probably anger. Like, why are you talking about this? Cause that was just, it was nothing that we put out. And luckily by that point, when I did share the episode, I had so many people reach out to me who had had similar experiences or people I actually had extended family members who reached out and said, we always wondered, whether you guys were getting help or what was happening, but we just didn't feel comfortable asking or talking about yeah. it. Yeah. And when I told her that, I think it helped kind of her realize like this could actually help people. And that ended up being what made it kind of okay. And it's still hard. I think it's still hard for her to like, accept that I do talk about it publicly because I think, you know, for her, especially in her age group too, there's still so much shame around it. So yeah. much shame. So it's like, I hear I am talking about this deeply personal thing for our family and for her, and she has to trust that I'm still going to honor her and not make it that she is a bad guy in it. And I think that's that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, I know that my parents were very uh, perplexed by my choice to do this. <laughs> uh, you know, my mom to this day can't understand why I would do a show with the word suicide in the title. Um <sighs> And it was just like, well, I mean, but that's been my experience. Like, and yeah. there's a lot of people out there that it's been their experience. And so, you know, it's, it's a context thing too. Like, like even though the, the, the context to the title of the show is positive because you're choosing coffee over suicide, uh, the very fact that the word is in there, it brings up a lot of emotions mm -hmm. and it, and especially from my parents who, you know, they saw me struggle with these things. They didn't know if their kid was going to live mm -hmm. like in, into his twenties, let alone forties. And so here we are. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I wear it like a badge of honor. It's like, Hey, look what I live through me. Right? <laughs> I, I live through this. So I feel like having conversations about things and, and bringing them into the sunlight is a really good way to examine them and to 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 have a deeper understanding of them so that they can no longer be traumatic or hurtful or painful. But I also understand that there's a certain generation that, you know, they just never did that. It's like, you know, they didn't have time for that. It's like, you know, you've got to you've got to get everything together. You've got to take care of people. You don't have time to take care of yourself and you can't afford to show any weakness because people could take your life away from you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's it's so sad that I mean, I, I posted a reel recently about emotional neglect and people It's very interesting how people responded. And it was very interesting to me that people were like, oh, so we just want to blame our parents. And I'm like, 
you have to understand right. that if somebody is doing that, it's probably because it was done to them and they don't know any different. And you have an entire generation of people who lived exactly what you said. And I think like, it's, it's not about saying, oh, they messed up another. Gen-. It's like, holy shit. How awful is it that you had an entire generation of people who were not allowed to feel emotions because it was like, it felt like life or death. That yeah. they were going through the same things that we go through, but there was no information available to them. They couldn't go Google a fucking symptom or wonder. Like, you just had to clam up. And that became the badge of courage is how much can you stamp down and push down <laughs> without anybody knowing it, like, outside of the household? Yeah. Yeah, and, and even then, I mean, <laughs> even within the household. You know, yes. it's it, it's like you, you know you've you've got to you've got to keep that stoicism up. You just got to mm-hmm. keep it up. So, what was the? I mean, what was the what was the overall vibe in the in the household then? So, I mean, I I know a little bit. So, you grew up kind of religious, yeah? Yes, yes. Very. Do you think that played a factor in any of that? Um, probably to some extent. I will say I think that one of my grievances with religion, or at least like, I don't know how all religions are, but I know um, Southern Christianity mm-hmm. is very like, you know, you you take a mask to church, you mm-hmm. never whisper anything. It's like someone's, how are you? Oh, too blessed to be stressed, you know, yeah. like it's very fake, um, and um, and and I, I think that kind of didn't help. You know, and also there's this this mentality that if you just pray enough, things will get better. Um, And I ended up having a lot of anger because of that. And I think that's actually why my mom had a lot of anger about her illness, because she was doing all the things. She was such a great Christian. And yet she was this illness was wreaking havoc on her. And it's like, right. For what? Why? She didn't do anything to deserve this. And I will. Rem- I remember I did this uh, this course through NAMI, and it was I think peer to peer, family to family. And again, it was like going through and understanding mental illness and like how it manifests and how it can happen and all the different symptoms. And if you're this family member, how this is probably gonna like you know color your experience. And we had to do this thing one night. Um, this exercise where there was half of us that were sitting and they we were told okay whatever the instructor is doing you have to follow them and then we didn't know what the other half of the class was going to be doing so i was in the class i was in the section uh where you had to follow the instructor i'm a teacher's daughter like you give me something i have to do i'm like i'm going to do this perfectly i'm going to follow the instructions yeah the other group comes in behind us and as i'm trying to listen to the instructor and do exactly as I'm told the people behind us each had like two or three lines that they had to just say over and over and over and over. And I wanted to scream. I want to run out of the room. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, this is what my mom went through. And I remember all the times when I was a kid, I would try to talk to her and I, her eyes would glaze over and I was so angry at her. And I remember leaving that session. I I think I ended up having to leave that class early because I was so, I was angry. It was the first time I was able to like voice my anger at God. And I was screaming at him. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? Because growing up, my mom would always bring God into the discussion. It would make me angry. Like, this isn't God. Like, you did this. And this was the first time I was like, no, F this. I'm (laughs) mad at God. I'm mad at everybody. 
And I, I will be honest, I don't even remember what the original question was because I just got so into talking. About it. <laughs> but well, n- no, but, but I mean, you did, you nailed it, really. I mean, because there's there's a lot of things with because I like I'm not a religious person anymore, but uh, but I I'm not one of those people that thinks there's no value in it. I mm-hmm. just think that there's uh, I, I think that there's a certain type. There's a certain type that is overwhelmingly harmful uh, where it's like it, it puts all of the onus on things going. Things going correctly are all God's will and things going poorly are all you being not faithful enough. Yes. And yes. that can be so damaging to a person. I mean, you you take and then you add in, you know, misfiring neurons and chemicals that are not processing properly. It's like you add those things together and it's like it's completely not your fault. Mm-mm. You know, if you're not making the right chemicals, store bought's fine. Like, <laughs> go get I love it. That. <laughs> I love that. And I think. I think some of it was religious. I also think for us as a family, we were, again, I think this comes back to the generational thing, the way that yeah. my parents were raised. And you don't talk about it. You just hope it goes away. Yeah. And that was our mentality. Like, I really, my heart goes out to my mom because I think about, like, God damn, man, she had no support. Yeah. None. She was so completely isolated. And if anything, I know on some level, she sensed that I was angry at her. She sensed that my dad was like, there was no support. And when you are trying to hold all of that in and keep that in and pretend it's just going to go away when it is, it is not. Um, it just compounds the suffering. Yeah. It's like adding insult to injury. Like not only is she going through hell in her own mind, right? Yeah. Like just so much. But then there's nobody, absolutely nobody around her that understands. And quite frankly, we weren't trying to understand. We were just, we just wanted it to go away. Yeah. Well then, so what about you? So, you know, you, you've, you've got this history with your mom. So you've got a mirror essentially that you can look at to say, you know, this is what this looks like. I think one of the mistakes that, that uh, a lot of people in society make, which you know, I, I, I get it. But one of those mistakes is that they think that mental health conversations are only for people who've got a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health is something for everybody. I mean, Absolutely. because here's the thing. It's it's not really a matter of if you're going to get through life without being fucked up in some way. Uh, it's kind of a matter of how what's yes. going to be your favorite, your flavor and to what extent. And mm-hmm. some people get it more than others and some people uh, handle it better than others. But it's a conversation that we should all be having. So then for you, kind of growing up in a situation where it's it's not really a conversation that's had so much implicitly as kind of guardedly, mm-hmm. um, when you start to experience you know, changes of feelings or changes of moods and, and, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, how do you start to, how do you start to manage getting yourself together in those situations? Ooh, that's a good one. And it's also very timely because I recently had, um, God, it was actually, it was just a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, so I left my corporate job this year 
um, mm. to become a full-time entrepreneur, which sounded really great <laughs> in theory. Um, <laughs> and it has been an incredibly stressful time. And I have had to figure out how to process so many damn emotions in just six hours, let alone 24 hours. <laughs> right. And I remember at one point I was talking to God, like in my car, I'm driving and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what am I missing here? Like, what is happening? And I remember thinking, oh my God, like little me would be terrified right now because this to me would mean, oh shit, yeah. we're, we're mentally ill. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, now I kind of understand why my mom was talking to him. Like, I get it. Sometimes you yeah. just have so much that you're just like, I have to vocalize this. And there was something, one, it was such a full circle moment. And two, it was like, man, that just to me speaks to the importance of people learning how to process their emotions in healthy ways and also not shaming the different ways that people have to process it. Yeah. Like, what works for me one day may not work for me the next. I, I'm, I am still figuring it all out and, and trying to process as best I can. But I will say, if if ever I thought that, that there was so much more reason to talk about this stuff openly, it's been one, understanding my, my family's experience, but also having compassion for my own. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not gonna exist for 30 years thinking I have to keep all this in by myself. I saw what right. that did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a reason they call it a, they call it a toolbox. You know, like when you're talking about your, your different faculties that you've got, it's like, uh, you know, this coping mechanism is not gonna work for this thing. So l let me spread this stuff out on the blanket and see what works today. That was one of the hardest things for me to figure out when I was growing up with all of this. I mean, especially, I mean, I grew up primarily in the 90s when people were just starting to figure all this stuff out. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of trial and error. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I didn't have an understanding that, you know, the pills and psychiatrists and psychologists and like, I didn't really know what the difference between any of it was. I thought that the thing was going to just happen. Like someone was going to give me the piece of information that was going to solve the Rubik's cube of my mental health crisis. And I was going to just go off into the day having solved it. <laughs> it, it just doesn't work that way. It's it, you eventually realize that it's all just a bunch of stuff laid out on a blanket and it goes, I don't know. Is this going to work for you right now? Mm -hmm. Try that one. Maybe the screwdriver today, not the hammer. <laughs> yes. I love that because I've recently figured that out. Like I was, I've spent so much money on like coaching and programs yeah. and different things. Cause I wanted to find my solution. Like what is the one thing I yeah. can do? And I'm yeah. never going to doubt myself. I'm never going to have a limiting belief. I'm going to have, I'm just going to be a happy, happy Buddha completely Zen yeah. only to find out. And it took so much money and time to realize, nah, <laughs> like yeah. every time you, you're just learning something else you could use, but there is no single pill. There is no one single answer. And I've started like, even like in the, the posts that I create for like my clients or when I talk to my clients, Mm -hmm. I, you will not hear me saying I have the cure. I know what it's going to like. That's not my job. You have to figure yeah. we all have to figure it out for ourselves and we all have to kind of become our own healers. And I don't care whether you have a diagnosed mental illness or mental health issue. I don't even want to say issue because all of us have mental health. Like yeah. it is just it is part of being a human who humans. Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for saying that. That is. 
that is one of the things that I feel like gets lost in the conversation all the time. It, it, yeah, it, it's it's like we were saying earlier, it, it, mental health is something that affects absolutely everyone. It's not no. just for people who've got a diagnosis. No. Yeah. No. So for and you. I, also, I don't uh, know uh, if I. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I just I, I just wanted to ask because I'm so fascinated. Be, uh, like, so I, I, I've listened to your podcast and I know that you talk at great length about uh, all of these things. Um, as far as. As far as like getting rid of the limiting beliefs and the, the negative self-talk and finding your self-worth after you feel like you've lost it, like was there something in particular that finally clicked into place for you to allow you to start uh, taking care of yourself in that way? Mm -hmm. Well, it's going to sound really maybe cheesy, but I had a breathwork session, a guided breathwork session. Nice. And... I think there were a lot of things, right? I don't know that this was like the single thing. Because again, I don't want to make it sound like, I don't want somebody to listen to me like, breath work is going to solve. Like, no, 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 no. Like, it could be a part of your journey, but please don't think like I did that it is going yeah. to be, again, your magic pill. But I did have a series, actually, a series of breath works where I had clarity on a lot of the shame that I've been holding. And also just a deeper level of self-love because I could finally... Breathwork for me allowed me to get past all the mental chatter. And again, all those limiting beliefs, all that programming that's just been running for all these years on autopilot that says you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're, it's your fault, you're broken, blah, 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 blah. Like it finally let me get back and pass that to who am I? And who am I? What am I worthy of? Like not because of anything I do. Not because I'm a good daughter, a good Christian, a good woman. Like, what? who am I? And it is something that I wish everybody could experience at least once. And you don't, it doesn't have to be through breathwork. But that feeling of, oh, I'm good. Like, I am worthy. I am enough. I am everything that I need to be just as I am is truly, I know it's going to sound so cheesy. It's magical. It's yeah. magical. And I have to sometimes remember that because I obviously still have days and times when I'm humaning and I don't feel that where I have to remind myself and like, I will say it like a mantra. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Like I will say it 10 times just to like, remember that, remember that because you're worthy of being loved. You're worthy of loving yourself. You're worthy of showing yourself grace, all those things. But it, it was huge for me. And it, and it's, something that again it's like showering right or like when people are like how why am i not motivated every day <clears throat> and zig ziglar who i don't know if anybody listening to this knows who zig ziglar is but he's a sales guy oh, and yeah. he would always say it's like it's like showering motivation is like showering you can't do it once and think you're good for seven days like you have to keep doing it and oh. i think that's the exact same thing with anything whether you want to believe you're worthy whether you want to believe that you are totally fine to be struggling one day like it's that's just a part of the journey and there's nothing wrong with that and it doesn't mean you're broken or that you're doing it wrong wow that is so well said uh i could i could talk to you until the cows come home uh we'll definitely have to have you back on uh this has been an absolute blast uh thanks for talking to me today oh you're welcome i have a question for you yeah, because this is something I've wondered and it's something that I have to admit, I don't particularly I don't know how to fill. 
So when I say the term mental illness, yeah. What does that make you think or feel? Because I don't like it personally, and I don't yeah. know what term to use, but I don't to me, especially the more I've understood about different diagnoses, I don't yeah. think they're an illness, I think they're an adaptation. Oh, I like that. Yeah, like I've never it, heard it, that said before. I'll, I'll tell you my thought on it, um, because I say mental illness all the time. Uh, I, I've kind of come to a place where I sort of, I sort of own it, um, mm. and so for me, it's it, it's like any other disability um, that someone might have. It's like, well, yeah, I, I I recognize you know the limitations and you know the things. Everybody's got their stuff. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't make you more or less than it just means like, oh, I, 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 I have this, but like, for example, like I have bipolar disorder, but I am not bipolar. Mm. It's like, mm -hmm. it's, it, uh, I, I've got, I've got an illness and yeah. it requires management. And uh, in my case, it requires management through uh, coping mechanisms and medications and things like that. Because otherwise, you know, just to pretend that I have a uh, uh, to pretend that I don't have some kind of an illness would be to the detriment of myself and those around me. But, you know, I suppose you're you're right. Another way to another way to phrase that would be an adaptation, because a lot of these things do. I mean, depending on what it is, sometimes it's chemical, which can also mm -hmm. be caused by a traumatic event. You can you can you can rewire your brain to to do things wrong. You just can. Mm -hmm. uh, if cognitive behavioral therapy has taught me anything, it's it's that the the very act of thinking can change the shape and size of your brain even. Um it's it, it's it, it's a it, it's a complicated complicated thing. But there's so much to it. It's it's not really something that's so easy. But yeah, the word illness, I guess to me, it, it does it does carry a bit of stigma with it, does it not? It mm -hmm. seems like it does. So for me, it was kind of like a way of a way of owning that and making it mine, like mm -hmm. and not and letting it be letting it be a feature, but not a definer. If that makes any that. sense. I love that. And I, I mean, I also love the distinction of I have this. I am not it. Right. That's you are powerful. not your diagnosis. No. No. I love that. Thank you. That Thank great. you. What did I tell you? Wasn't that great? I absolutely adore that conversation. We're going to have to have her back on so that we can continue. Uh, I know it wasn't nearly as much... Uh, as any of us would have liked, so we definitely are going to have to have her back. If you want to get some more Rosanna in your life, and I know that you do, just go to rosannagill.com. You can find out all of the information, other podcasts that she's been on, speaking engagements, everything. Uh, as for me, you can always go to Patreon and find out what's going on in my brain and in my head, and if you subscribe for three months uh, at the $15 level, you will get a mug just like this one. So... That is it for this week, 2023, coming at ya. Until next time, don't kill yourselves out there. <laughs>